1: We may also be sweary from time to time. We are optimistic, lighthearted girls, but we know this is a really stressful time for some of our listeners.
0: We respect that. In this week's episode, we are going to talk about a really, really important topic and one that's very close to my heart. And this is the topic of working out with endometriosis. Now, this is a big topic and um, I'm sure we could spend many, many episodes on this, but we will do our best to bring you the key information. Now, I'm just going to give you a couple of quotes um, just to help you understand how serious endometriosis is. Eleanor Barker is an Olympic gold medalist and five-time world champion. She is one of the most decorated riders in British cycling and she described endometriosis as feeling as though someone was wringing out her organs as if they were a tea towel. I've also had clients tell me about their endometriosis, um, explaining to me that there are days where they can't go into work, where they can't get off the sofa, where they just feel absolutely horrendous. Um, I had one colleague at work explain to me how they actually missed their stop on a train because they were in so much pain that they were lying on the floor of the train and they literally couldn't get up and they actually missed their stop. So endometriosis is a really serious chronic health condition I understood it to be really heavy periods
1: for some Mm. reason I just assumed there's women that have those lovely light five days oh oh it's here oh it's gone periods by the way I've never experienced this I always had quite heavy periods but I always thought the girls were endo were just like a level above do you know back in the day we used to have the maxi pads? And they came oh, in yeah. the kind of grades. And then they went yeah. like small, medium, large, and then like supersonic. And I always thought they were the preserve of the girls with endometriosis. <laughs> Super I, have... oh, I Do you know,
0: know what that? you mean,
1: yeah. You well, could wrap them around your head, they're so big. I now understand that endometriosis is far more than just a heavy period or a heavier period.
0: Yeah, and I'm really glad you said that because a lot of people, firstly, have never heard of it before. You know, I've had I had someone in the cafe say to me the other day, oh yeah, my sister's got this thing, you know. Where it kind of it's just inner and I was like, Do you mean endometriosis? He was like, Yeah, yeah, yeah that's it. So even people where they're, you know, closest and nearest and dearest have it still don't know what it is. To be clear, so endometriosis is an inflammatory condition. And it's where um, tissue similar to the lining of the womb starts to grow in other places. So it's just growing in places that it shouldn't grow. And quite often, this is in the ovaries and fallopian tubes, but it can grow in other places. There are a huge number of symptoms that go with endometriosis. And it's things like pelvic pain, which is one of the key symptoms. And quite often, the main area of the pain is in that pelvic region, but it can be in other places. Like you said, Roisin, there is increased pain during periods. Um, People can also find intercourse, painful. There's a huge number of symptoms, fatigue, diarrhoea, bloating. I know someone who thinks, and again, this is anecdotal, but I know someone who thinks their sinusitis might actually be linked to the endometriosis as well. And the doctors have begun to kind of look into that. So it is a, a massive condition. It's more than just having particularly bad periods. And if it is left untreated, unfortunately it can lead to infertility as well. And then some research has said that there might be a slight increased risk of ovarian cancer but the lancet that's a very respected journal says you know the risk is still low over the lifetime so you don't need to panic or get any radical treatment it's just something to be aware of when i was looking into this uh topic again for this podcast today again i'm going to be very clear here Roshin and I are both very keen for this podcast to be as reliable and as informative and as honest as possible. And one of the key things that I came across was a lot of researchers just saying, yeah, there needs to be more research in this area. There's just not enough research. There is information for you today. But the key thing is, like we said on our podcast last week, there needs to be more decent quality research in this area. There's a finite amount
1: of money for research. Mm -hmm. So if we were saying from an infertility point of view, where to put that money? Yeah. Are we saying that most of my clients have endo or most Ah, of my clients have PCOS or most of my clients are are unexplained? Isn't that really where you want to put the money into the areas where there's most need?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think at the minute I have got clients with PCOS, with endo, with unexplained. But it's quite a hard question to answer because a lot of people have PCOS and endo.
1: Okay, so you can have both. I
0: didn't realize so you, could you can have both. have both. Oh, yeah, you can have a double whammy. And also, you can also have things like an underactive thyroid. So the reason, so your question is an awesome question, but it's quite difficult to answer because they're not mutually exclusive. I didn't realize that. I so, thought so maybe when, they were uh, yeah. mutually
1: exclusive, that you either uh, fell into one camp or the other. Oh, that's no, interesting. No, you
0: can fall into many camps. So this is why your question is really, really, really important. And it's a really good question, but it's quite a hard one to answer clearly, if that makes sense. Sure. But all of my clients have, I've got some with unexplained, some with vaginismus, which we haven't actually talked about yet, some with endo, some with PCOS, a few of those things together. So there's a real mix. There are so many people affected with endometriosis that there needs to be decent research in this area. And it's not just the number of people that are affected by endometriosis. Some estimates say it's around 10% of women who of reproductive age experience endometriosis. But the thing is, it can affect you so badly that those people can't always go into work. You know, there are stories of people having to phone in on the first day of their period every single month because they can't go into work. Mm-hmm. Now, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you're a doctor, if, if you are a chef, if you're an artist, you can't be missing a day of work every month because of endometriosis. So the money should be spent and it's it's crippling for a lot of women. And so it's a really, really key area.
1: My memory of the girl in my class, just absolutely, I've never known, like digging her finger nails into the desk just because the pain and of course you know she got painkillers for that but I remember her sort of lurching forward you know that kind of unbelievable pain it's difficult because you're often in very public places when this is happening to you Um, yes you
0: are kids in school whether it's heavy periods whether it's PCOS whether it's endometriosis yeah even if it's just normal periods like you're in school you might be in a single sex school you might be in a mixed sex school but it's still not something you want to be shouting about You've got kids who have such heavy periods. They, I know one um, one individual who they basically had to go to the toilet every 40 minutes when they had their period. Now, in Eng, I went to school in Scotland and England, but high school in England, the lessons are minimum 50 minutes. Sometimes they're doubles. Sometimes you've got an hour and a half lesson and you're having to go to the toilet every 40 minutes. And quite often the rule in schools is students shouldn't be allowed out of the classroom to go to the toilets. It's a health and safety thing. But every 40 minutes and probably really every 35 minutes, you're having to ask to go to the toilet. That could be twice in the same lesson. Yeah. And the teacher's not supposed to let you go. It's huge.
1: But also for work, you're trudging through work up yeah. and down stairs. if you're in a
0: meeting. In meet, yeah. if you're
1: doing some training. Is there anything that you can do to prevent endo?
0: There is some research out there. So there was some research done by Kramer and it is slightly old now. It's 1986, which is not as old as me, but you know, it's getting close. Um, And what they found was that women who exercised regularly before they actually started their study. So when they were younger, basically, these women did have a significantly lower risk for endometriosis compared to women who did not exercise so what they concluded was physical exercise did protect them. So it did help to prevent them from getting endometriosis. And this was in women who started exercising before they were 26 years old for at least two hours per week. Now, I'm not, this is not flawless research, but it's an interesting start. So that was Kramer in 1986. Sinorello et al. in 1997, so a little bit more recent, they found that women who exercised four hours per week or more reduced their risk of endometriosis by 65 percent now this one sounds a lot more interesting and this was compared to women who exercised less than four hours per week so both Kramer and Cinarello both found that yes exercise can help to prevent endometriosis however an obvious flaw that we would need to point out here is that it might be if these women were already developing endo they might be in pain so they might not exercise as much Sure. So you might get stuck in this kind of vicious cycle. And from what I've read and from what I can see in the journals, they did not control for that. It's good news. Yes, exercise might help. But I'm not going to say the research is flawless because it's not, but it's a good start. There was another piece of research by Vitonis et al. And they did a prospective study, which is where you start with a group of people and then you follow them through. So rather than looking backwards, you look forward. And again, you know, it's positive. They found that women who were more active had an 11% reduction of the risk for endometriosis. All of these pieces of research are saying, if you're more active, you have less of a risk for endometriosis. Um, but again, they're not perfect because maybe those women worked out more because they didn't have endometriosis in the first place. But it, you know, it's positive. It's a positive thing. So there is some evidence that it can be helpful in preventing.
1: What type of exercise is better? Or is it yeah, just that's any, a really good
0: question. Any kind of exercise? Most of the research I've looked at just talks about any type of exercise. But some research around resistance training has found that that can be helpful for endometriosis. But There is just so much out there saying, more needs to be done. So anyone listening, thinking of doing a PhD or some kind of research in this area, please, please research exercise and endometriosis and do some decent quality research, please, and then get in touch and let me know. I think you may be the person. I've actually contacted universities about this already, Roisin. So yeah, I've already actually inquired into this. Yes, I have emailed universities. I have asked for PhDs. I'm on it, but it it does need to be done on a serious note. So someone needs to do some decent research in this area. So I'm assuming it can't be cured. There are treatment options for endometriosis. Um, You can have surgery. And again, I've got loads of anecdotes around this. A woman I know, her endometriosis was so bad, it wrapped around her bowel and then kind of like attached her, her bits to the side of her body, if that makes sense. So they literally had to go in and just kind of chop it out. Because it was like a wire that had wrapped around her insides. It's horrendous. So she she couldn't walk. She was in so much pain. Yeah, there are definitely treatment options. Um, There is surgery. Some people, like you've mentioned before, are given pain meds, which obviously doesn't actually cure the endometriosis. It can grow back. Some doctors disagree with that. But again, a lot of research shows it can grow back. And anecdotally, people have speak, spoken to their consultants and the consultants have said, well, yeah, I can see it. It's definitely grown back. So it's one of those where it might keep recurring. It depends on who you are and it gets staged. So it gets, you know, stage one, two, three, four. So it also depends on how serious the endometriosis is to begin with. But again, lots more research needs to be done. Because you said it was inflammatory. Does it flare mm-hmm. up? Or yes. Is it,
1: there could be points when it's not too bad and you could potentially conceive.
0: Yes. For those of you feeling a little bit sad about this, you can conceive when you have endometriosis. There are plenty of people out there who manage to have children. Sometimes the endometriosis isn't that bad. It also kind of depends on where the endometriosis is. So there's lots of different variables with endometriosis. Unfortunately for some people, it can lead to infertility though. And and again, it probably depends on where it is and how serious it is. So those people will need help. It might be trying to cut away the endometriosis just to try and clear it out so that your body can do what it needs to do um and yes in answer to your question it can flare up and there were some lovely women on the course um that we've just run the fitness and nutrition course and at least two of them had endometriosis and for them it was in line with their period so every kind of four weeks or so they would struggle to get out of bed they just said it was absolutely horrendous and i just wouldn't hear from them for a week so I could very quickly see a pattern and then they'd just come back and they'd say, I'm so sorry, but I've been you know, in bed, destroyed for a week. And they would have massive flare-ups and just be in huge amounts of pain. And then they could work out at the other times. They just couldn't work out in that week. And obviously with the pain,
1: that made it impossible to work out. But to say, if you were okay, is there things that you can do with
0: something low intensity? Absolutely. I'll use these clients as an example because they were fantastic women and it worked quite well for this. So what we did was... They worked out, as per the program, let's say three out of the four weeks. And they did the kind of normal workouts that were scheduled at that time, including the lower intensity workout. Um, So they were doing three workouts a week, one of which was lower intensity. When they then had their flare up of endometriosis, quite often they wouldn't be able to work out at all. And that is just what it is. And that's fine. And anyone that's listening that has a PT, if you're in that situation, they have to understand that you're not being lazy. You cannot work out in that time. And that's fine. What I then did to help them get back in after the week off was what I called a warrior workout. And this was actually a gentle workout to get their body moving again before they then continued with the rest of the program. And I call it a warrior workout because to come back after a week of having horrendous endometriosis, um symptoms, I think you do have to be a bit of a warrior because that must be a very difficult thing to do. So that's how we did it. So kind of three weeks ish of normal with a kind of warrior workout to get them back in. And then that would be low intensity, no twisting movements, just to kind of warm their body up. And also psychologically, they would really struggle with motivation and I'm not surprised in the slightest. So it was just to get the brain going, get their body going, and then, then get them back onto the programme. And the exercise itself again, in answer to your question, can be really, really helpful. And this is for a number of reasons. Um, It releases endorphins, uh, feel-good hormones. So anyone that's ever had, you know, you're feeling quite high after your exercise or a runner's high, which we've talked about before. This is your brain, releasing kind of feel-good chemicals. The cool thing about those is they also act as a pain reliever. So it might just be that if you can get yourself to do the exercise, they the, the hormones that you release will help you with the pain that you feel. And this is also really interesting. People that get injured when they're competing um, they quite often get such a rush of adrenaline and I've had this before that you don't feel the injury and this is why sometimes when people are injured say oh no I feel absolutely fine and actually it's the adrenaline and it's all the hormones and that can be used in a good way when it comes to endometriosis it depends on who you are but there have been studies to back this up which is really really cool and any studies that we have I'll pop them in
1: the show notes so yeah, you can absolutely. read at your leisure this is so important because we've talked before about the cruelty of infertility is it's time sensitive. Sometimes by the time you've realized you have a problem, you've already used a little bit of your runway. And I can imagine that when you're lying there in absolute agony, thinking, I can't do anything to get myself out of this situation.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think everything you've just said is so important. You know that every four weeks you're going to be in excruciating pain. Yeah. like Every four weeks, you can't go out, you can't plan events, you can't see your loved ones, you're going to struggle to go to work. And this is why, when we're talking about mental health, endometriosis, like a lot of fertility conditions, has been linked with um anxiety and depression, Sure. which, to be honest, is no surprise whatsoever. Very understandable. Um, very understandable, yeah. And in the US, women with endometriosis are one to two times more likely to develop anxiety and depression than people without endometriosis. And again, I'm surprised it's not higher than that, but it's it's huge. Just the psychology of it is absolutely massive, knowing that you're going to be in that much pain on a regular basis. Um, And like you said, you want to have a baby, you know, and and you're trying to get yourself in the mental state to do that. The other thing that endometriosis can also affect, which we have talked about before, is sleep quality. And we've talked about how important sleep is for your circadian rhythms, for your hormones, for your growth hormone, all of that good stuff, as you would say, Roisin. One of the problems with endometriosis is the pain. It doesn't just get you in the day. It can get you all through the night. You've got the anxiety that we've just talked about. You've got all these things ticking over in your head. So all of these things, the kind of psychological load and the physical load can also make sleep very, very difficult. Lack of sleep in turn can then... Uh, cause you to feel stressed it can increase inflammation and anxiousness and then you're stuck in this horrible cycle of oh I'm not sleeping well and now I'm getting more inflammation and inflammation makes my endometriosis worse and now I'm more anxious and I was already anxious in the first place so unfortunately uh, endometriosis can also rob you of sleep as well the good news is everybody knows now exercise has been associated with better sleep it can do loads of really good things it can make you fall asleep quicker it can help you stay asleep longer and because exercise also improves mood and like we said before it also reduces pain all in all you will probably just enjoy a better night's sleep anyway sure so it it can't stop endo but it genuinely can help it in lots of different ways even if you can just get in what i would call a warrior workout just to do a little bit of something all of my programs come with a pelvic floor workout as well This is super important for everybody, whether you're prenatal, postnatal, trying to have a baby, working on your fertility in general. But again, when it comes to endometriosis, because of where the endo likes to kind of sit, um, it's quite often linked to pelvic floor dysfunction as well. Um, And this can be you have problems with your pelvic floor muscles. You might have too much tightness. You might have too much tension staying active with exercise in general, but also pelvic floor specific things can improve strength. It can improve posture. It can also just improve things like your mobility. It can help your muscles relax. And again, in turn, all of that can help with pain in that pelvic region.
1: Because I was sunning myself all week in Lanzarote, where you've been really good. I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous. You've taken on the research on the nutrition side of things for this week.
0: I have.
1: So can food have a positive effect on people that have endometriosis
0: it can again it it can't cure it but there is there is research out there that is now looking at nutrition and endometriosis again there needs to be more research there 100% needs to be more research and again a lot of the research says there needs to be more research a lot of the nutritionists that I work with spend a lot of time looking into this and they definitely have nutritional advice so by all means get in touch with a nutritionist and ask them for a bit more information But in general, foods that should help with endometriosis are fiber rich foods. So fruits, vegetables, whole grains, uh, foods rich in iron. So all of your leafy greens and your broccolis, foods that are rich in essential fatty acids. So things like salmon, which I'm going to say I do not love, but I know many of our listeners do. Sardines, herring, uh, chia seeds, flax seeds. And then you've got your antioxidant rich foods, which we've talked about before. So basically all your colours, which I know Roshan, you've mentioned before about having your plate as a rainbow. So you've got your oranges, your dark chocolate, which we love, your beetroot. So all of those foods have been found to be helpful for endometriosis. They're anti-inflammatory and they're just really good for you. And what I would say here is everybody with endo is different so it is worth speaking to a nutritionist but what the best thing to do is just keep a little journal of how you feel so if you eat your beetroot like Roshi is always talking and banging on about beetroot just notice how you respond to it if you respond well if you feel good happy days if you if your body just doesn't cope well with it then don't eat it okay sure but making a little journal is definitely a good thing to do and add um, things in slowly like if this is really yes. anatomy to you
1: add one thing in at a time and not all the supplements are made equally go into Holland Barrow those people are Wonderful if you're in the UK. Not all supplements are made equally. Eat the rainbow. Eat the rainbow. Have a good
0: rainbow. Get that broccoli in you. And basically, the opposite of that is not good for you. So, as you might imagine, try and stay away from the trans fats. Research has found that higher rates of endometriosis diagnoses among women who did have more trans fat. Basically, it's your fried, processed, and fast foods. We know that our brain likes the fat and the salt and the sugar, but I'm afraid ladies, your endometriosis does not. Red meat, again, just keep your red meat low. Gluten, again, I know a lot of nutritionists will work with their clients on gluten. One particular study involving 207 women with endometriosis showed that 75% of them had a decrease in pain after they'd reduced gluten from their diet. Um, and again, we will give you their research information for this. But basically go with your go with your lovely colors stay away from your trans fats. stay away from your red meat and again i'm afraid alcohol um, and your caffeine should be fairly low down on your list no one sticks perfectly to anything 100 of the time so it's about getting that balance right and i think picking your battles next week we are going to tune in to my favorite ever phrase consistency is key here we go again we are here we go again however see even roshan's excited we are going to be looking at this idea of consistency is key which i talk about every single week but we're going to dig into it we're going to figure out what this actually means how to be consistent and why it does actually matter so much especially when you are trying to conceive so tune in because as always i am very excited to talk about this thank you so much for listening to this week's show remember to subscribe to get a shiny new episode each week and please rate comment and really importantly share with your friends especially our trying to conceive sisters you never know who's struggling and they may need that little bit of extra help this may come as a surprise but we
1: are not doctors we strongly recommend that you consult your doctor before beginning any exercise or nutrition program get everything checked out first your safety is our priority This has been a Worth a Listen production.